0: Welcome to Beans and Breakdowns, a podcast dedicated to bridging the gap between specialty coffee and the heavy music community. I want to start out by giving everyone a happy new year. Thanks for joining us for the first episode of 2022. On this episode, we're joined by Eric, the director of coffee for Medici Roasting in Austin, Texas. This is a big coffee nerd out episode to start off the year, so I hope you guys uh, enjoy it. So grab a fresh cup of coffee and wake the... What's going on, caffeinated crew? I'm here with Eric Lapine. He's the head roaster for uh, Medici Coffee in Austin. Texas, Eric, how are you doing today?
1: Um, well, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course. Thanks for uh, coming on. I know it's a Saturday afternoon. We're getting a bit late into the coffee drinking window, I think. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm still I'm I'm still chugging forth. I've got a, a fresh cup right here. Uh, what are you drinking on your side?
1: I got. Uh, I'm on my third cup of the day. Uh, a little bit of a bittersweet moment for me. Uh, this coffee is. Uh, A Pacamara from El Salvador. Um, It's the first coffee that I bought when I came on to Medici, uh, and it just kicked this week. So it's pretty much my last my last chance to experience this coffee until I already signed a contract for it for uh, this coming year. Um, So at least I have that to look forward to. Uh, Like I said, it's a Pacamara honey process. Uh, it's from a program that uh, Caravella does to identify uh, new young producers that are doing great things. Um, so I'm happy to continue working with this producer. Uh, his name is Samuel Luna. Uh, just like a super like comforting like hot chocolate type of coffee. Uh, so we're probably you know we're getting into like prime time like. I bought this coffee in the summer and it's like the perfect time to drink it now.
0: Yeah. Is it, is it a pretty like seasonal grow where it's only produced in the summer or processed by the the end of summer?
1: This particular coffee was a 12 bag lot. I believe. Um, I bought seven of those 12 bags and hopefully get the opportunity to up the ante a little bit with the next so
0: on. That's awesome. I'm loving uh, a lot of these honey processed and anaerobic processed coffees coming out of like El Salvador, Guatemala. It's a lot of uh, awesome experimental or I'll put quotes, experimental styles of um, processing and coffee coming out of that region.
1: Yeah, it's been interesting with the honey processes, especially coming out of Central America to watch the progress of that uh, wasn't really that long ago where it kind of seemed to me it was like 50 50 uh whether you would you would get a sample of a very good one or a kind of middling or potentially bad Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's there's a lot of like really good ones now so um it's really great that those producers are able to kind of diversify their offerings a little bit and never disparage anybody from making a little extra coin that's right and
0: never be afraid to to branch out, try something weird and new. It's awesome. For sure. On my side, I found this random coffee at a shop uh, that I was in the other day. It's called Goosekeeper Coffee. Um, it is a Japanese-style roasted coffee. So I'm imagining it's maybe turned by hand over like a flame. I don't know what Japanese-style mm-hmm. roasting is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it is a it's a washed Colombian. It is a Catura, Castillo, and I think that's the only two varietals that are listed. But yeah, and uh it's really good. I'm gonna have to try to uh, dive deep on the, the guy who's roasting this coffee because he hasn't like it's not even being really distributed. It's it's like he's friends with a shop owner that just put it out for people to buy.
1: I kind of love that though, like the the idea that you can just get something and and because you have no real clear idea of what it is, like there's nothing to kind of give you like a preconceived notion. You just kind of go into the experience.
0: (laughs) Like there's literally not, I mean, he did put the altitude, uh, and the varietals, but other than that, it's like no notes, like nothing. So like I'm, I was kind of going in blind. I'm like, I have no idea aside from the fact that it's a washed Colombian coffee. So (laughs) I know I like washed Colombian coffees and I know it's probably going to have, you know, some almond, like nutty character, some probably cacao, like chocolatey, but you know, maybe it's got some weird stone fruit. Maybe not. I don't know, but it it is at least good. Yeah. It's a super standard, you know, washed Colombian coffee, like cool. Extremely. Yeah. Just nutty. And
1: yeah. Sometimes you just don't need to have your mind blown every time you take a sip
0: it's pretty good though. I will say it does have like a, a kind of a citrus to it mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Um, but it's good. I like being impressed and surprised by random finds. For sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I always think like, you know, it's for me, I work, I've worked in especially coffee for like 15 years now. And we do a, like a lot of nitpicking on that end of the market. And so like, when we're always talking about all oh, this coffee is not very good. It's like <laughs> grand scheme of things. That's a very good coffee. Yeah. So like, I like, I actually like to have a lot of bad coffee experiences to kind of like <laughs> remind me what the actual spectrum is.
0: Exactly. When you talk more about you, you mentioned your, your years in specialty coffee. Uh, what was your introduction to the specialty coffee industry?
1: I got into specialty coffee very much by accident. Uh I had been working for Whole Foods for about five or six years in the produce department. Uh, and it was a very cool gig for me at that time because they were cool with me traveling pretty much as much as I wanted to. Uh, it wasn't too crazy, but um, my band was touring the U.S., I would say at least like one, one to two months out of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, and this particular summer I had done, um, six weeks in the U S with two weeks off and then another six weeks, um, as our first European tour and, I came back from that period of time and the other kind of wrench in that was I had suddenly a new boss <laughs> when I came back who didn't necessarily feel inclined to put me back on the schedule as right. a stranger basically. Yes. Uh so I had to like basically go to HR and kind of plead my case like hey look I left under these pretenses and I came back and suddenly what I had agreed upon is no longer the case. But in the meantime, I had to like kind of uh, pick up hours at another store um, across town, a much smaller store. Um, They were looking for help in the specialty department. So I picked some shifts up there and the team leader there mentioned that they were going to be hiring a coffee buyer. And I didn't really know anything about coffee at the time, other than I like drinking a cup of coffee I thought, oh, it sounds like a potentially pretty cool gig, uh, expressed interest, got that job. Um, and the store was like very small. Uh, if you think of like the, the idea of like what the average whole foods is today, like pretty big store. This was like maybe a third of the size of like an average whole foods. Um, And so being the coffee buyer was kind of by necessity, like finding the time to manage that part of the specialty department while also being a vegan who was trying to sell cheese to people, (laughs) just, you know, lying to people about cheese for, for money. Um, uh, but I had a lot of good support, um, from my team leader and store leadership to do the coffee stuff kind of, Uh, learn as I went. And at that time, Allegro, the coffee subsidiary that whole foods owns Mm -hmm. had a um, program where uh, every year they have their holiday blend and they, they would take uh, whoever sold the highest percentage of sales of that particular coffee. They would take on an origin trip. And so my store is super, my store is super small you couldn't walk an inch without seeing this coffee. Uh, and so I won like three months into becoming a coffee buyer for this whole foods. I won this origin trip. Still don't really know anything about coffee. Uh, find myself at Copa Dota in Costa Rica. Um, it was like a big trip too. Cause it's like a person from each region of whole foods. And then, a buyer for allegro and like a bunch of like executive levels from allegro and they were like filming training footage it was like a lot of people like two Mm -hmm. vans worth of people trying to like tour a coffee farm um and it was super cool like in retrospect it like very eye-opening but uh, but at the same time uh a lot of it probably went over my head being that my (laughs) knowledge of coffee was three months selling retail bags of coffee at whole foods. Um, but it kind of like sparked something in me to learn more about it. And I went on to do the coffee buying for probably about two and a half years between that store and a couple other stores. Um, and I was still like somehow afforded the opportunity to basically, um, tour with my band, uh, whenever <laughs> while awesome. while doing this like secret while doing this secretly super chill gig, just selling coffee. Um, until eventually, uh, it came to a head again where, where Whole Foods was starting to get a little tired of that. And I had to end up leaving, uh, the coffee buying position and I was working just like in grocery, just like, facing shelves, like the most dreadful eight hour shift you can imagine. Just spinning cans on a shelf. I'm like, this is really just not my thing. And I was at a house show and uh, a friend of mine who lived at the house, his roommate worked for a local coffee roaster in town. And just on a whim, I was like, Hey, you need to holler at your boy and tell him to get me a job at his job because i am like dying working <laughs> grocery um and i didn't even wait for that i i went on craigslist and i saw that they were actually posted uh, a part-time production position applied for that got it and for a while i was working part-time there uh order fulfillment like packing orders uh like packing bags bags mm-hmm. go in boxes boxes go to customers whatever and uh part-time also still in grocery at whole foods which you know, actually made working grocery shifts at Whole Foods seem even worse. Yeah. Um, literally the, the minute I could get full-time hours, um, at this spot, uh, uh, New Harvest that Justin had mentioned. Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask, he,
0: he mentioned that you were there. Yeah. Yeah. Or you mentioned uh, that you were there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I started at that company. as just a full-time, eventually production person and like pretty much a month or two into doing that. Um, one of the roasters left and I was asked if I wanted the opportunity to learn how to roast. I was like, yes, of course. Um, so that's kind of where I, I started, uh, learning my chops roasting side was at that business moved on to eventually become the head roaster. And I was there for probably about five years. Um, it was a very like cool, um, besides being like my kind of real introduction to like coffee production and roasting, uh, I met like a lot of like pivotal people, uh, that time at new harvest was Mm -hmm. like this, this very interesting, uh, moment of like having a lot of like future, like, uh, industry, like local industry, people were all working there at the same time. And now they're all doing like, Different things for different companies, which is super cool. Um, and then, like I said, I did that for five years, and then I moved on to George Howell Coffee mm-hmm. for a year, um, and that was pretty amazing in terms of opportunities. Um, working for George was a very, I uh, again, another eye-opening experience. Uh, sort of like you know, be, be similar to like, uh, yeah, I was an engineer at this like little local studio. And then, you know, I did a year with Rick Rubin. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a casual
0: experience.
1: (laughs) Um, that commute was like 70 miles one way for me. (laughs) It was pretty brutal. Yeah. So I I only lasted about a year there before I had to throw in the towel Um, and from there I became the head roaster and green buyer for another company just outside of Boston called Fazenda coffee. Um, it was probably like the highest volume coffee roaster that I've worked for. So I learned a lot more about like efficiency and systems there. Mm -hmm. Um, I was there for just about five years as well. Um, and then, um, the company, that my girlfriend was working for at the time, uh, was like this new subsidiary of Alamo draft house called Mondo. And they were going to launch a board game division. So that's kind of like the impetus of us moving to Austin, um, was like probably six months pre moving of just like reaching out to all my contacts of like, who, who do you know that, doing stuff in Austin and then like with the pandemic, like 14 months of like trying to figure it out. Uh, and then I eventually landed this gig at uh, Medici, which is pretty perfect. They have been a local cafe chain here in Austin for 15, 16 years now. Uh, but they just started a roasting program just before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So now we're in like, this weird sort of year two of this thing that's still brand new. Right. (laughs) Um, But it's cool because I have the opportunity to kind of like build a portfolio like from scratch, which I've never had before. And that's kind of where I am right now.
0: That's all. That's really awesome. I, Love that your introduction to specialty coffee was as a buyer, as opposed to coming in as a barista, which is, I would say probably 95, if not more of the specialty coffee industry.
1: (laughs) It's very funny to, uh, meet new people who always just assume that that was my pathway. And like, uh, you know, we'll have like this, like sort of awkward moment where like people just assume, like I know certain things about like, Espresso maintenance, for instance. And I'm just like, uh, nope. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I could do it in a pinch, but like, I'm not your ideal candidate by any means. Right.
0: You had mentioned about starting your work at Medici in Austin. uh, Now that you've relocated there, what sparked your interest in working with them?
1: Uh, This is like another one that 100% fell into my lap. Uh, at the perfect moment, uh, the person that was doing my job prior to me decided that they wanted to move to Nashville. Okay. And I had reached out basically the week that they intended to give their notice. <laughs> so it That's turned amazing. into, it turned into like, I, it I kind of need to give my notice because this guy is like, the perfect transition to just have this be a seamless transition. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it kind of just worked for me because I kind of just know what I'm getting into and how to get to where they want to get to. So
0: absolute happenstance. That's beautiful. I love the, the it's almost like it's fate. It just beautifully rests in your lap and uh, you just walk right in. That's awesome. You guys roasted coffee for the u.s men's national team the soccer we team did.
1: we did uh and that is also something that 100 percent just fell into our laps we, were, <laughs> we had been talking to q2 the uh the stadium where the new MLS team plays mm-hmm. we've been talking to them for a while and um they just kind of that opportunity came up where the U S men's national team was going to have a qualifier there. And they hit us up about, uh, providing service for the staff and team. Um, and yeah, it was cool for me cause I'm a huge soccer fan. Um, I didn't get to really do anything other than, uh, claim all the responsibility for them winning that game
0: off of the, the caffeine <laughs> energy. I'm, just, just, I'm just
1: saying they won the Austin game and then as soon as they stopped drinking my coffee, they went and lost the game.
0: It's true. That's what was holding them on. It's just <laughs> the, the caffeine boost. That's really awesome. It. Yeah. I was, I was, I was seeing that uh, you guys had roasted for the, which I'm actually, I'm not a U.S. men's team fan. I'm a, I'm by marriage. I'm a uh, Mexico national team fan. So oh, no it's perfect. It kind of hurt, uh, to watch that happen.
1: (laughs) It was just three times in a row.
0: Yeah. Just three times in a row. Uh, not like that means any, no, I'm just kidding. It does. It means a lot. You have a, uh, a beautiful vinyl collection. I was checking out some of your, your Instagram photos of your, you do your vinyl hauls and all that stuff. Yeah. How, How did that start?
1: Uh, it started because I had a bunch of vinyl when I was younger and I made the horrible mistake of selling all of it in one lump. Like (laughs) it went to a friend, which is like the, I guess the solace I can take from it is at least I know it went to a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I kind of got to this point where I regretted not only regretted doing that, but I was like, Oh, it'd be fun actually to, build my collection back up. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been like, there's actually a lot of pretty cool record stores in Austin, it turns out. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun kind of working on that, getting back into it.
0: So are you a person that sources all of that locally or you try to avoid online, like getting anything through online source?
1: I try to mostly do it locally. Um, and then like if there's like some, thing that like is really stuck in my mind and I can't find it somewhere. I'll eventually break down. I had this like thing uh, earlier this year where I was walking down the street and I don't know what it was but like it just hit me like the memory of having the uh, Devoid of Faith Voorhees split LP Mm -hmm. and thinking wow what a great record that was and like If you look online, there's like, it's not on any streaming service, but it's also like no one has gotten around to like having like the bootleg, like YouTube video. Like there's just nothing. Like if you look online, like there's enough to tell that this record existed, but you can't just like scratch that itch. Uh, so I ended up buying that on Discogs and, uh, you know, I'm waiting for that record to come in and i'm like 50 50 like whether my memory holds up on this record like <laughs> you know be equally kind of funny if like i put this on i was like oh, you know what what was i thinking this isn't that good uh and it turns out it's still pretty great particularly the vorhees side of that record is pretty flawless
0: yeah i i don't even know if i've heard like that's so before my time i think because you know i'm a. Uh... I'm kind of a young blood, I guess, when it comes to like hardcore, as in I got into it like eight years ago.
1: What, no worries. I'll tell you what, you can find a copy of that record for like probably as much money as you would have paid for it when I bought it the first time. So if you want to find that, <laughs> <laughs> there's been literally no markup value on that record.
0: Oh, wow. That's how you know it's underground. Like that's just legit yeah. underground. I love that. Yeah. There's
1: no hype. The, the, the moment that I could not find more than like a track of like on a, on like a YouTube video, <laughs> I was like, man, I might be wrong about this record.
0: It's always those bands too. It's always like the most like, uh, nostalgic, like it gets you, it reminds you of like a good memory or something like, Oh, I mm-hmm. remember seeing this band and they stop being a band. They were, They have like maybe an EP and an album release, and then you, you sure. can't find videos anywhere. It's not even on LimeWire. Not that anybody has that anymore, but like you can't find anything. And sure. so I love bands like that because it's like a special relationship mm-hmm. that you have in your mind. I don't know.
1: The other the other thing is like uh, everyone's been in like uh, the kind of. COVID nostalgia, year of nostalgia. So it's been kind of awesome to just like, it, you know, you buy like the one record that you used to have back in the day and it kind of scratches an itch for you like temporarily. But really what it does is it creates like 10 more itches.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh, I saw this band with these bands. And then you want to go and buy records from those other bands that. Like, 100%. It creates a web of just money spending and time searching for these records. I love uh, keeping on the topic of music, your 2021 album of the year. Do you have, do you have a release of 2021? Ooh,
1: I really loved that, uh, Lou Barlow record that came out this year, which is, decidedly a non-heavy choice. Um, <laughs> just, just Lou Barlow and some lo-fi indie rock.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> It's okay. The War on Drugs is probably great, in my top, so I'm, I'm in there with you.
1: It's a great record. I, I demand that all of your listeners check out that record.
0: <laughs> go now. Um, Turn off this podcast like, and go listen to yeah, the Barlow stop record. Stop
1: listening to me. This is... This is <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of nonsense. Uh, go make your lives actually better, and go listen to Lou Barlow. Um, I feel like for heavier stuff, um, biased, but uh, the new body record is great. That full of hell record is pretty good. It's I good. love the kind of yeah. It's it kind of reminds me of like definitely like the, the kind of man is the bastard worship vibe mixed with something a a little more doesn't necessarily make you feel comfortable, but like in a different sort of way,
0: like just completely unsettled.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like, uh, I've been listening to like, uh, a lot of like noise and, uh, improv music lately. And the idea of, uh, music not necessarily having to make you feel great. yeah, <laughs> has been's been like both timely and uh, poignant. That's definitely <laughs> or, been and ab- of the times.
0: that that's been kind of the case in in my household as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it does invoke certain emotions that necessarily you wouldn't be too eager to like express, I guess or or feel.
1: Yeah, it's like an interesting interesting thing about music where I think I feel like people in other like in visual art, it sort of seems more acceptable to create things that evoke those types of emotions, whereas it seems to be a lot less uh acceptable in music.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like Music is always like, oh, it's entertaining. It makes you feel good. Well, sometimes it's it's okay to not feel happy and joyful.
1: (laughs) Yeah. In fact, it might be healthier to periodically not feel joyful.
0: Cathartic experiences are what help you grow. Okay. Like let's, let's invoke some cathartic moments. (laughs) For sure. We can't go to hardcore shows. So listen to music that just makes you feel horrible. (laughs) that's great uh i agree the full of hell record i haven't listened to the body the the new release from the body yet but i do love um that noisy them and uh is it uh uniform is also one of those yep like noisy punk bands Mm -hmm. i love that um but yeah the full of hell is an ep right it's not a full-on record
1: uh I I feel well, it might be like, it's like one of those things where like (laughs) length of album may not be (laughs) like. It's five songs, but it's an hour and a half. (laughs) 20 minutes and 53 seconds.
0: How many tracks? Five. Yeah. I was like, I think it's a shorter one, but it's definitely short. That's like, That's like... uh, Are you familiar with um, Zulu? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Both their albums are about eight minutes long and they're both like six tracks. It's eight minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I think more time is spent on the samples that they use in between the songs than the actual songs themselves.
1: I I feel like that's a vibe that's coming back from like the, the late 90s, early aughts. I love that.
0: Well, Eric... I really appreciate you uh, hanging out with me this evening. Now it's dark here. I don't know if it's dark yet.
1: (laughs) Not quite yet. We're getting there.
0: (laughs) But um, I really appreciate you coming on and hanging out. Uh, It's always fun to speak with a a coffee roaster and somebody who's been in the coffee industry because I get to nerd out. And I really like that. Um, Thanks for having me. Of course. uh, I have one last question for you. Yes. Yes. What is your favorite city for beans and breakdowns?
1: I have like a a bit of a split decision here where, um, I really, really truly feel grateful for having grown up in the punk scene in Providence, um, as like a place where a lot of different stuff kind of coexists without any issues. Uh, there's a great noise scene. It's a great punk scene, great hardcore scene and metal and all of this stuff can kind of just happen simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's pretty special. Um, wasn't really, uh, a lot of truly next level. Great coffee in Providence prior to, to like bulk opening up. Um, but I did love, uh, the tail end of, uh, kind of living in Providence. The first bolt location was basically next door to the bar where we would watch Liverpool games. So we had this ritual of going to bolt and then kind of like walking next door to the bar to watch games. And I kind of dearly miss that. Um, but I'm super excited, about the prospect of uh living here in Austin where there's like a ton of super great cafes mm-hmm. and um I would love to start going to some shows out in Austin and seeing seeing what's up with that.
0: Yeah, I actually I was talking to somebody from Austin today and they were saying like Madball, Death Before Dishonor and I think there's another band on that tour. They're coming through Austin tonight. Austin's such a, mu- it's known to be that musical city. I, I don't know if that speaks also to hardcore uh, or metal or anything, but I've heard a lot of bands say how much they love playing Austin. It may just be for the food, but
1: <laughs> I mean, I always loved playing in Austin. Uh, so I know for sure that there's something going on here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's it's in the air. <laughs> well, Eric, Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Uh, I really hope that everything with MetaG, y'all keep growing and and you know cultivating that that good culture and and you know the the tasting and roasting profiles. Um, and I wish you all the best.
1: Thank you so much. Take care. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Beans and Breakdowns. I want to say a huge thanks to Eric for coming on the podcast uh, and sharing about his experience in the coffee industry, his experience with Medici, and I wish him all the best uh, in pushing forward with that program down there. Be sure to check Medici out if you're in the Austin area. They have a number of shops as well as you can visit them online. Uh, They have some merch, some brew equipment, as well as some coffee that you're able to order online. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also find out more about Beans and Breakdowns by following us on Instagram at Beans and Breakdowns and check us out on the web at BeansandBreakdowns.com. Until next week, stay caffeinated and wake the fuck up!